Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Nerdy Retro Renaissance Dad podcast, or Nerd. And I am Brian, the original Nerdy Retro Renaissance Dad. And today is special for us because it's actually episode one. Our previous episode zero is just kind of an introduction to give you a feel for the types of things we'd be talking about. In today's episode, in the nerd section, I'm going to be talking about a bit of tech that I just recently picked up, and that's a Sony PSP. It's an older hand held unit that I had previously, and I used to do a lot of repairs on them and stuff, but going to talk about what I did with that. In the retro section, man oh man, have I got a crazy NES game to talk about today. It's called Pinball Quest, and believe it or not, it is an RPG, a role-playing game, but it's also a pinball game, so it's really kind of an unusual situation. I'm also going to talk about the Greg Neal vinyl record show that came through town this past Sunday and some of the great things that I saw there. And then we're going to talk about the dad stuff, uh, talk about some of the cool things we've got coming up this next week, and uh, might even mention an interview that I've got coming up. We are so lucky here at the Nerd Podcast to be sponsored by some wonderful people. And I do want to mention R&D Gaming, um, up in Weber City, Virginia, and that's just past Kingsport, Tennessee. Um, they've got lots of cool retro stuff. I was in there just last week and ended up coming out with a whole bag full of Atari 2600 cartridges. Now, hadn't planned on that, but these guys had crates upon crates upon crates of all sorts of retro games, but especially they had this Atari section and found lots of stuff that I had been looking for, including a Tron game. Um, a Kool-Aid Man game, which is crazy to think I would even ever find that, and a very special cartridge called Name This Game, where back in the day they uh, ran a contest to actually name the game, and the winner would actually uh, get to uh, have their choice for the name put on the cartridge from there on out, and they'd win like $10,000. It was kind of a neat novelty thing, and I was glad to stumble on it. But we've been sponsored from day one by Two Dudes Gaming in Elizabethton, Tennessee. So let's hear from our sponsor. This episode of the Nerdy Retro Renaissance Dad podcast is brought to you by Two Dudes Gaming in Elizabethton. If you're into retro gaming as much as I am, you're going to love this place. They've got everything from all of your old favorite consoles going all the way back to the NES and the Atari 2600, to the Sega Genesis Master System, and even the more modern Nintendo Wii and Wii U systems. They've even got a game station set up with a flat screen and an old CRT TV, so you can check out stuff in HD or the way it was intended on one of those old TVs, just to make sure that you're really getting what you're looking for. I also know from personal experience that they do a fantastic job cleaning their cartridges. They've even cleaned some of my old cartridges that I didn't purchase there, so you know these guys really care about what's happening in the retro gaming world. If you're interested in more information, you can find them on Facebook under Two Dudes Gaming. That's the number two, Dudes Gaming. Or you can call them at 423-297-1688. That's 423-297-1688. And when you go, tell them Brian from the Nerdy Retro Renaissance Dad Podcast sent you. And we're back. And right now I want to talk about one of the nerdy things that I've come across lately. I recently remembered 
really enjoying a Sony PSP several years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. And thinking about that, I went into my local gaming store and was kind of looking at their um, UMDs, which is the cartridge it uses. And a guy came in the store and wanted to sell his to the store that I was in. And they said, well, we can't take it because you don't have a charger and we don't know how um, the condition is because there's not a charge on the battery. And I looked at the guy immediately and I said, I'll give it, you know, I'll give you 35 bucks for it just on a total lark. And he was including a bunch of games with it. And he said, yes. And so I was taking a total chance on this thing. But back in the day, I used to repair PSPs. And so I knew I could get it um, back into some decent shape if it needed some attention. So I took it home, uh, threw a charge on it, and it's perfect. It, it works fantastically. Um, so what I wanted to do with this is uh, take it and turn it into a retro emulation machine. Now let me say this for those of you that are interested in emulation. Uh, what it is is using um, a computer or a handheld device or a tablet, anything that can run things called ROMs uh, that are the video game files that you would want to play for the games. Now, let me say this. is very important. If you do not own a physical copy of the game, don't download the ROM. That It's kind of a gray area, and here at the Nerdy Retro Renaissance Dad podcast, we're very much against that type of thing. But if you own a physical copy of the game, then it's perfectly legal, and there's nothing wrong with it. You're just preserving that original copy. I do that with my records all the time. I'll take a record and convert it to a digital format so I can listen to it on the go. It doesn't sound as good as the original vinyl on a record player, but at least I've got it. And the retro gaming experience is not the same when you're using emulation. You don't have the cartridge that you're plugging in. You don't have you know, the actual hardware. You don't have the actual controller. Um, but if you're going to take a long trip, uh, something like emulating on a PSP is a really cool idea. So the first thing I had to do was install what's called a custom firmware. And what custom firmware is, is... Uh, a modification of the operating system that just allows things not from the factory to work on the unit. Um, it's going to void your warranty, but my goodness, if the PSP is from 2007, it's 10 years old, the company's no longer supporting it, they're no longer making things for it, they're no longer publishing games for it, that doesn't really matter anyway. Uh, it's a very easy process. I just loaded a program onto the PSP, and five seconds later, it's it's running fine. So what I've done is I've got a collection of uh, Super Nintendo, uh, NES, Sega Genesis, Atari, um, even PSP cartridges all together. And so i got the ROMs for all of those. And you have to get an emulator, a different emulator for each of those to put onto the PSP. And it recognizes the games. And so when you open it up, you know, I opened up this PSP and it's about the size of... Uh, the screen is about the same size as my iPhone 7, I guess, maybe a little bit smaller, but very clear. And I open that thing up, and suddenly I'm playing Super Mario Brothers 3. And I'm playing, um, you know, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, all these wonderful games that used to have to play on a big, giant TV, and now playing it handheld. So uh, that's today's nerdy... Uh, side, my piece of tech for the day, and it crossed over into the retro gaming area. So, speaking of retro gaming, 
It's now time for the retro portion of the Nerd Podcast, and boy, oh boy, have I got a good one today. Um, In our town, we've got an arcade called Silverball City that has 50 or 60 actual pinball machines, and I love pinball. And I love video pinball. Um, I like Pinball Arcade um, that's been put out for the PS3 and iPhone and, and iPad. Um, I think I even played that on the Ouya back in the day. Anybody remember the Ouya? That thing stunk, but it was great for things like that. Um, I mean, going all the way back to the Atari 2600 video pinball, I mean, that thing was so fun. The physics were crazy, and and really physics are what kind of make uh, pinball games good, ultimately. Um, But when I saw this cartridge in the store... Um, and by the way, if you want this cartridge, you can call Two Dudes Gaming or R&D Gaming, any of those local places, and I'm sure they can find it because I don't think it's rare. But it had a white label, which jumped out, and it's by a company called Jalico or Jalico. I, I remember they did a lot of baseball games uh, back in the 80s. But this particular game had a pinball on it that had a skull in it, and it kind of reminded me of the bowling ball from Mystery Men that uh, Janine Garofalo's character carried around, if you remember that. But I'm looking at this cartridge, and I'm going to turn around and grab it real quick. And it actually says right here on the label, the world's first pinball fantasy. So I had to get it. I was intrigued. I thought at the very worst, this is going to be a really stinky pinball game, and at the best, it's going to be something totally unique. And it was. First of all, when you turn it on, um, you're going to immediately be taken back to the 80s with this music. Um, but you've got a choice of several pin, actual pinball machines that you can play, just a straight-up pinball, and it was a pretty cool deal. One of them um, is kind of a mix of bowling and pool, billiards, and you kind of hit your pinball through the field, and it'll knock over bowling balls, bowling pins, not bowling balls. And when it goes into one of the locator holes it pops up in a pool table sort of and you kind of sort of play pool and and all that another one another table is a golf table and really the cool thing about this is when you pull the plunger back it's a little character with a golf ball getting ready to tee off and so when you release the plunger they tee off on the pinball and it's it's a neat thing that would be enough to make me want to pay 4.99 for this cartridge but the the craziest thing is when you go into the adventure mode, it is a full-on Zelda-esque RPG deal. It's bizarre. And the first thing you see is a little cutscene, and these creatures come up and steal what I think is the princess and take off with her. And then it cuts through to, um, yet again, a Zelda-looking screen. Original Zelda here. We're not talking Breath of the Wild for any of you that have been playing that lately. But it goes immediately into this Zelda-type field, and there are creatures coming at you and and trying to keep you from your objective. And the whole time you control your character, which is a bowling uh, bowling ball. Here I go again. i got bowling ball on the mind. Pinball. And you are using the flippers, and you're knocking over these enemies. And uh, what's cool about it is you even have to knock the pinball into, like, a key to unlock a door and then... When you go through the door, it'll transport you up to the next level, and there are little mini-bosses you have to fight. And and so it's kind of an interesting take. I mean, whoever did this was either really creative or really crazy, because no ordinary 
person's going to think this stuff up. Um, but you can even get to a place like in the original Zelda, on the very first screen, you go into a cave and you get a sword. And further on down the game, you can upgrade different things. The same thing happens in this game. You can upgrade your paddle flippers. You can upgrade uh, to flippers that stop the ball so you can control it. Um, it's a really neat thing. So anyway, it's called Pinball Quest by Jaleco. And if you are into unique NES games, or if you just want a cool cartridge that'll look good in your collection, either one of those is going to be great. And like I said, I got mine for $4.99. Um, I didn't even haggle to try to get that down. So I'm sure it's very affordable. Um, and after I started researching it, there are a bunch of them online. So that's that's good. All right, so it's time for the Renaissance section of the podcast. Do you see the theme here? Nerdy had a section, retro section, Renaissance. You get it. You get the idea. So for this section, I normally talk about music or things that I'm dealing with in the music field. Um, And yet again, some of these overlap. So today we're going to be talking about music and retro at the same time. We had an awesome opportunity here in town with a traveling vinyl record show that, that came through. Uh, it's pretty cool. You pay two bucks and you go into a conference room at one of the local hotels and there are bins and bins and bins of vinyl records and some CDs and DVDs and a little bit of memorabilia. But primarily the purpose for this um, was to serve the vinyl record collector. And so I went in there and uh, didn't have any expectations really. I was just in the mood to crate dig, as we call it, um, in the record business and wanted to look through and every record that I purchased well first of all let me back up when I first went in the show I texted my wife and I said this is not looking good because every record was super expensive um, for what it was and I thought this is I'm not gonna find anything here this is gonna be awful and uh, we're getting ready to go on vacation so I didn't want to spend a bunch of money um But then I found a guy that had a bargain bin. And a lot of times what you're going to find in these bargain bins, yeah, you may find some records that are scratched, but most of the time the jackets aren't perfect and the records are in really good shape except they're dirty. Well, I've got gear and equipment here in the studio uh, to clean records with, uh, both dry clean and wet clean, so I wasn't afraid of that. What's a little dirt, you know? And what ends up happening is you spend two or three bucks and get a record that um, even the MP3s are going to cost you ten. 11, 12 bucks if you buy them from an online retailer. And if you buy the record brand new, you're looking at anywhere from 20 to 25 bucks. I'm talking major price gouging in the record industry right now. So I am a serious bargain collector when it comes to records. And the other thing is that I'm kind of fortunate with is I love 70s and 80s music, 80s especially. I'm a big fan. So this kind of fits right in. Uh, to the experience I personally am going for. I've got about 650 records right now, so it's a modest collection, but we are getting up there. But found some stuff that didn't even know if I'd be really interested in it, like the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. <laughs> for those of you that may not remember them, they're from the 70s, and they did a song called Jackie Blue that was pretty popular, something you might hear on a future uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, I imagine. And when I was a camp counselor back in the day, we did one of their songs called Chicken Train, which is just a goofy, stupid little song. Um, but also picked up Janet Jackson's Control, um, which is was a phenomenal record when it came out. I mean, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, um, who are a couple of guitar production heroes of mine, uh, did a phenomenal job putting this together. And, of course, when she did Rhythm Nation, 
a little while later. That turned out great, too. Um, wanted to pick up a little docking. Um, I'm really into striper and um, into some sorts of um, heavier music like that. And uh, the lead singer for striper, who's also the lead guitarist, uh, Sweet, um, did a record with George Lynch, who played guitar on Dawkin. And uh, it's called uh, Sweet and Lynch, I think is what they called it. Uh, so I wanted to pick up some of that stuff just to listen to his guitar playing. So I picked up Dawkins' Tooth and Nail and also picked up Dawkins' Under Lock and Key, which was uh, pretty cool. Um, also found uh, The Outfield's second record, Bangin'. I love The Outfield. Uh, they're a really good example of straight-up 80s pop rock, um, great harmonies, clean guitar stuff, uh, a lot of fun to listen to. Also picked up a copy of uh, Naked Eyes, um, which has uh, the song Always Something There to Remind Me and Promises, Promises. That Those are both cool tunes. And you can never have enough ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. So I picked up a New World Record, um, which has got some cool stuff. Duran Duran's Notorious. Um, ZZ Top's El Loco, um, I picked it up, so that that was a really neat deal. U2's Live Under a Blood Red Sky, and I gotta tell you, um, shout out to James, who's running the Thought Box podcast network, of which this podcast is a member of. Uh, James is a big U2 fan, and I picked up one of these records for him uh, last year, and uh after I gave it to him, I started regretting it because <laughs> it's such a good record. So thanks, James, for uh, giving me the hint on that one. So I, f- I finally picked that up. Um, I had a copy of Duran Duran's Rio back in the day, and I lost it, so I picked that up. Um, so lots of, of great finds. And uh, if you're ever in the East Tennessee area, we've got lots of good stores that you can look for. We've got Backdoor Records in my town. And if you're ever in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, they've got a great place called Lost and Found Records. They're not a sponsor, <clears throat> although they should be. Um, I love those people. They, they're they fantastic. They've got a great record store. Um, and here's my PSA for the day. And I'm not going to go into great detail about this. If you're curious and want more information or want help picking out some records or help picking out some equipment, you can email me at nerdpodcast at gmail.com. That's N-R-R-D podcast at gmail.com. Or find me on Facebook. I'm at Nerd Podcast. And that nerd is spelled N-R-R-D podcast. Um, and I, message me there. I'll be happy to help you find what you're looking for. But here's the thing. These portable suitcase record players that are kind of all the rage right now that you can find in bookstores, let me give you a bit of advice. Don't go for those. Don't buy them for somebody. They're cute looking, but the big thing about them is the cartridges are really cheap and they can cut into the records, but worse than that, the tone arm, the thing that actually moves the cartridge down to touch the record... Um, on a good turntable, that's going to have a counterweight on the back so that it floats and doesn't dig into the record. And things like these suitcase record players like Crosley, for instance, if you play a record enough times on a Crosley, you will ruin it. It, it will literally cut the grooves out too much and will absolutely destroy your record. They're okay for one listen through or an emergency situation where you may want to listen to something, but man, don't do that. I mean, if you're going to spend a hundred bucks, 
let me take you to a thrift store or let me take you to one of my buddies that collects this kind of stuff. And for the same amount of money, you can get what might have been top of the line back in the 70s or early 80s. And it's going to sound better. It's going to last longer. It's going to look better in your entertainment system. And you're going to have just a much, much better experience. All right, it's time for one of my favorite sections, the dad section of the Nerd Podcast. By the way, if you're listening to all this different music um, that I'm using through the podcast, I composed and performed all of that music. Um, This is a a goofy little cinematic thing I did because I think dads are superheroes, and I feel like they need to be uh, lifted up. Uh, Good dads, of course. And, you know, not treated like buffoons, like they are in a lot of the media. I think dads are to be celebrated. You know, I've got a a family history that goes way back and is just chock full of dads that did a lot for their family and did a lot for those around them. And, you know, yeah, you got to do some tough things as a dad sometimes. You know, you've got to discipline your kids and, you know, make some hard choices. But man, being a dad is awesome. Everything about being a dad is totally the best thing ever. Um, I love my family. I love being a part of a family. I love getting to do stuff together. Yeah, there's hard times, but, you know, there'd be hard times if I were single. And so, thankfully, God has blessed me with a wonderful wife um, and a daughter, and we all share these great common interests. Um, My wife was in my studio the other day, and I've got a, a Funko Pop vinyl figure of Chewbacca, and this particular one is fuzzy. <laughs> and it's it's actually got some fur on it. And she was you know, commenting about how much she liked that. I mean, how cool is it for a guy like me who grew up with Star Wars to end up married to somebody that likes Star Wars? I mean, hello, dream come true, right? Um, but now my daughter loves Star Wars stuff and loves space stuff. And we're getting ready to take a trip to Florida. Actually going to take a couple of trips this year. But this one, we get to go to Kennedy Space Center. And we're excited to see Spatial Atlantis, and there's a possibility of one of the days that we go that we may get to meet an astronaut, because we find out that there's going to be an astronaut there that's going to be um, kind of introducing their new Mars exhibits. Um, I remember I went, gosh, it's probably been 30 years ago when I went to Kennedy Space Center, and I just remember looking up at the gigantic Saturn rocket and just thinking how amazing that was, and um, I wanted to be one of two things growing up. There are only two things I wanted to be. One, which is what I became as a professional musician. I wanted to be in music. But then the other thing I really wanted to be was an astronaut. Um, but then I discovered you had to be really good at math and not afraid of heights. And so that kind of eliminated that. Um, so I'm using my other talents in other ways. But I'm still a big fan. I'm a big fan of NASA. I've got the NASA channel on my uh, Roku. I've got it on my Apple TV. I'm all the time looking at live feeds uh, from satellites and space stations and just kind of enjoying all of that. So when we go on this trip to the beach coming up, it's not just going to be seashells and sunburns. We're also going to look at satellites and space stations. And uh, I'm super, super stoked about that. So uh, that's kind of what what I've been sharing with my daughter lately, and she has caught the bug. Um, And consequently, um, she was one of the winners of her science fair for her grade this year. 
and she did an experiment that involved several different liquids and their rates of evaporation, and it was actually a really cool project for a fourth grader, and I was impressed, and um, she did really well on that. Well, thank you for listening um, to the Nerdy Retro Renaissance Dad podcast. I'm not sure of the frequency of these. I hope to have one out every couple of weeks, every three weeks maybe. Um, but I sure do appreciate um, your support of this podcast. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure and give us a like and a positive review. If you found us on Facebook, be sure and share that with your friends and spread the word about that. Drop me an email at nerdpodcast at gmail.com. That's nerd, N-R-R-D, podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you've got something nerdy or retro or music-related or dad-related that you would like to hear on this podcast, let me know because, man, I'm all about all that stuff, and I would love to get my listeners involved. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an awesome week. I hope you have a retro week. I hope you have a nerdy week. Stay nerdy. It's the only way to be. Bye.